I don't know how to describe it other than like like a demon type of sound. But it's silhouetted, hulking, every bit of five and a half feet wide, 13 to 14 foot tall, pitch black. The one thing that ran through my mind when I had this encounter was I don't have a big enough gun. Your host, two-time witness and field researcher for more than 40 years, William Jevning. Welcome to Creek Devil. My guest today is Jay. Jay, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Will. I, I don't know if you wanted to talk just briefly about your initial introduction into the subject. There are people out there, you know, for this particular show that haven't heard that. Um, did you want to want to tell that briefly? Uh, you know, how do you mean? My, how I got interested in, in the topic? Or well, the first your, the first encounter. Uh, oh, you mean how, how I how I found out about where we went this weekend? Well, start off with your when you were you know still in the military and got screamed at. Okay. Um, well, back in 2001, and I'll, I'll try not to make this long-winded, but back in 2001, I was assigned at Fort Polk, Louisiana. Uh, I was on an OC duty, or observer controller duty. So basically, when you hit a certain point in your military career, you know, you, you, they kind of try and take advantage of your experience base, and you're either going to be an instructor or an OC or work uh, with the reserves or National Guard or whatever. Uh, and, and I ended up taking a job as an observer controller at Fort Polk. So all of the light infantry and airborne units rotate through Fort Polk, Louisiana, uh, when they're getting ready to be graded or scored for their readiness level uh, for whatever mission cycle they're in. So uh, for those that don't know, you know, military units uh, are in a kind of a, a green-red amber cycle or the readiness states for, you know, you're at the top of your game, you're ready to deploy, or you are just come back from a deployment and you're in reset, or you're in a training phase where you're ramping up, you know, getting ready for that. So this is this is a training area. They've got National Training Center out in the uh, um, Hobby Desert that's for heavy and tanks and back infantry and all that. And they've kind of used that one a lot for a lot of the Iraq and Afghanistan training now because it's similar to that type of environment, you know, hot, arid, all that. Sure. So I'm at Fort Polk, and we're getting the unit ready to go to Bosnia. So it's uh, there's no there's no enemy, you know, there's no force on force sneaking through the woods kind of thing. Uh, it's really just set up like villages, and it's a lot of humanitarian aid and that sort of thing. So. Pretty relaxed kind of exercise. Uh, my counterpart was a major working day on, day off. Uh, and, and pretty much you get to the end of the day, which is usually around 10, 11 o'clock at night, because there's no enemy activity or anything at night. So everybody just kind of, you know, slows down and from the day's activities. And as everybody starts winding down and going to bed and they go to night shift, you know, the observer controllers kind of leave the box, the training area, and, and then come back out the next morning and, and, you know, meet with your counterparts and kind of do their thing. And you get master action reviews and advice and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, so I, I ended up being the late guy that night in the talk or the CAP Operations Center that we were covering, uh, you know, because it's like as each of these sections start kind of winding down for the night, somebody has to stay until the old man, the colonel, goes to bed. So... 
I, you know, we all kind of draw straws for it. It's like a revolving duty, and I just have to be that guy. Uh, I was an E8 at the time, and uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, they finish up. Colonel, you know, had, says his thing, and he's heading out. So I'm headed out of the training area. Well, we have to go about 35 miles or so uh, down tank tank trails to South Boundary Road, and you work your way all the way back to Main Post. Um, so I'm headed southbound off uh, Drama Drop Zone, down a tank trail, and I get to this creek crossing. Well, I, I got to pee. So I just pull off the road. Uh, well, I didn't pull off the road. I just stopped in the middle of this road because there's nobody out there, nobody on it. I'm probably 17 kilometers south of, of where this spot was set up at the north end of Geronimo. Uh, and I get out of the Humvee, and I'm, I'm standing there relieving myself. Uh, at the edge of this creek, and it's it's dark out, and I don't remember any moon, you know, it was really dark. But I noticed that it was just dead quiet. I mean, there's no there's no wildlife, no frogs, crickets, cicadas, nothing. And, you know, in, in the southern states, you know, it, in the summertime when it's warm out, it's it's loud. You know, there's, there's crickets and frogs, and, you know, it's just loud. Uh, and, I mean, there was there was nothing. And it just was eerie. I'm like, man, that's this is strange. I haven't really heard it like that before out here. And, you know, we would jump in middle of the night, you know, airborne ops and walk through the woods at night and stuff like that, you know. So, I mean, I was used to being out in the woods at night, you know, just about 15 days a month out of you know, rotation and whatnot. And it just was eerie. And, and I thought, well, you know, I drove up here in this loud vehicle and shut it off, you know, and, and maybe I just disturbed the wildlife. And I... About the time I finished thinking that, this thing uh, starts going off in the wood line on the other side of my beat at my right. And it sounds like a... The first thing I heard was a really raspy, deep, gravelly, almost asthmatic, I guess you'd say, like there's something wrong with, like a sick almost, breathing. Really deep breathing. And it was big, you know, very volumetric, you know, and I'm just like, immediately your body freezes because you're just like, what is that, and then it starts this whooping sound that sounds like a gorilla or an ape, just gets agitated, mm-hmm. and then it drops into this low, growling, guttural roar, and it just, I mean, projects it at me. And it continues in pitch. I mean, just... All the way up until it sounded like a woman screaming. And mm-hmm. I mean, not not like it's a scary movie. I'm talking about like her skin getting peeled off. You know, a, a banshee witch evil scream. And it projected that last bit, just pushed it out. And I could feel everything in my body shake. I mean, it was it was very, very percussive, you know. And I've heard people since then, because this is 2001, and I've been, you know, kind of studying this ever since then, you know, trying to find that sound and talk to other people and hearing, you know, witness reports and, and you know, working with you and, and mm-hmm. stuff. But there's been a lot of that, but there's only been one other couple that I've ever heard of who heard exactly the same thing I heard, and that was uh, John and Cheryl Minnick up in, in Oregon. A retired firefighter, uh, a really nice couple, uh, who who was on one of these shows, and 
gave their witness report, and he heard exactly the same thing I did, only I guess it would have been about four years ago. So what either what I heard walked from Louisiana up to Oregon in about 13 years <laughs> without being yeah. <laughs> or, or it was one of these things. So, you know, back then, there the only shows out were like In Search Of or... You know, I'd seen the Patty film once or maybe twice, but not on my radar. You know, same, sure. same category as Loch Ness Monster and Fairies and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, not on my radar, but I was like, that was real. That was real. So that was either a very, like, oh, and, 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 you know, after the scream, it turned and it stomped away on two feet. And I mean, stomped. It was a display of breaking branches, tearing up stuff, and you hear wood exploding, you know, from the branches being busted off. And, I mean, it's 50 feet away from me on the other side of the road in the wood line, and I can feel the footballs hit the ground. It wanted you to know it was there. That was a very, that was a big animal. I mean, this thing had to have some mass to it, you know. But it must have been standing there when I pulled up, because there wasn't a sound. I didn't see anything, but I wasn't looking for anything. You know, I just pulled up right. and go back. Uh, and I jumped back in the vehicle, and I took off out of there, just, you know, constantly going. You know, I drove as fast as I could for about 10 miles before I finally stopped trying to compose myself and just went, you know, that did that just happen? No, that happened. You know, well, that's, that, that's not real. No, that just that's real, you know. And what yeah. was that? And I'm thinking it's either logically... It's either a huge escape gorilla or one of these creatures, you know? And, right. and I'm, you know, Bigfoot was like, oh, you know, abominable snowman, Himalayas, or maybe Pacific Northwest. Not in a military training area in Fort Polk, Louisiana. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I have since started researching, you know, immediately that area, you know, trying to read what I could. And the Internet was fairly fresh back then. So there wasn't a lot, but there was a little bit, you know, out there about, you know, different places in South Louisiana, whatever. Since then, there's been an enormous amount of traffic on creatures there, screens, and different things. But I moved to uh, north central Alabama uh, after I retired. And, you know, I've always been interested, so I'm always talking to people. I'm always looking, you know, and, and I hear a lot about, you know, boogers in Georgia and around here, they talk about the white thing, you know, T-H-A-N-G. Uh-huh. But uh, people continually describe something around here that is gray hair, like old man hair, or coyote hair. You know, that color of maybe a coyote. Um, right. But very large, I mean, very large. And, and these reports span that I've gotten from uh, 1996 to very recently, uh, and it's from, you know, south-central Talladega Forest to Gunnersville State Park to Bankhead National Forest, you know, these areas, and, and kind of some sporadic ones just south of the Tennessee River that, that kind of travels east-west across the northern part of the state and then kind of heads south. So I had been picking up reports from some folks, and I got one, uh, well, probably almost two years ago, well, I guess it was about a year ago, of uh, a gentleman at a tree stand uh, out at Bankhead Forest that 
was Thanksgiving Day 2015, and he said, uh, you know, he was out there hunting. It was cold out, and he said uh, he he heard some noise, and he looks to his left, and he sees, you know, kind of in the distance a little bit, this old man walking out of the woods. And he said old man because he saw, like, the head first, you know, coming over the shrubs, and he saw long gray hair. So he's thinking, you know, that's the first thing popped into his head is his gray-haired old man. But then when it got fully in his view, he's like, no, that was covered with hair from head to foot. And he started thinking, well, this, this is somebody trying to scare me off my tree stand. And then he started getting mad because he's got a pretty good hunt site. So he uh, he said, you know, he's thinking, well, I'm just going to, you know, what idiot's going to come out here in a, in a fur suit, you know, and, and try and scare me foot when I've got a high power rifle. So he's thinking, I, you know, now it's his hunting area is kind of blown because he came out before, you know, daylight and then sat there for the longest time. And, you know, the, the, the hunting window, I guess, isn't all day there. It's you know, kind of the early morning hours, you know, up before one. And so he's like, I'm going to just take a shot at this thing, but not at it, you know, just near it and, you know, kind of scare them, show me, you know, kind of deal. So he pulls his uh, rifle up, so he's looking at it through the scope, and he realizes that he's looking at something that's real. He said he could see the the breath coming out of the nostrils in the cold. He said it would tip its head back and sniff around a little bit, and he said it'd take a few paces and it would dig with its foot. And then it would just take a few more paces, and it kind of rough along with its foot in the leaf litter, and and do that. And he said it it didn't have a care in the world. He said this thing was not old; it was very fit. And he said it looked like you took a professional wrestler and a basketball player and you mixed the two. He said it was massive, but it was probably eight or nine feet tall. And and he said it took about fifteen minutes to get through his field of view. And I said, well, once you realize you're looking at something that's you know humanoid or whatever, but it's a, kind of a monster in the wood. I said, do you ever think of shooting at it, you know, or shooting it? Because, you know, I want to know. I don't want one shot. I don't, I don't, I'm not into that. But, I, you know, I got to ask these guys. And he said, no. He said, I looked at that thing, and he said it had a humanoid-looking face. He said it looked very human in the face, but it wasn't human. And he said, yeah, I just considered it one of God's creatures, and it's got as much right to be there as I did. And, and so he said, now it never did anything to him, didn't even acknowledge he was there. So he said, he thinks it didn't know he was there because he does a very good job of, of trying to make sure he matches his scent and all that stuff when he's going in. He was downwind of this thing. So he said he didn't think that it even knew he was there or it didn't care. But he said it, it never did anything in his direction. Or anything. He said, now if it got aggressive or did something crazy, he might have shot it. But, so... What, what leads me to last weekend was, um, you know, I, I had uh, I had a motorcycle for sale, and, and a couple of guys came over to look at it. And, you know, I kind of, as, as a talking point or whatever conversation started, I've got the Bigfoot stickers on my bike, you know. It's an uh, uh, you know, official Bigfoot response people sticker. And, you know, they're on the toolbox on the side and stuff. So, you know, they come over and they're looking at this. And, and he says, you know, I noticed your stickers there. And I said, yeah, I kind of have to explain that a little bit. And he said, oh, no, no. He said, they're real. And, and my son was working on his, his uh, wife's car. And I'm like, well, what do, you, what do you mean? And he said, I was hunting in Bankhead Forest the day after Thanksgiving, 2015. <laughs> and he said, 
he went out there and he said it was dead quiet. He and his older son, oldest son was hunting, and, it, and his son that was with him was about 40, and this gentleman's probably, you know, 65, maybe something like that. I hope, uh, you know, if he hears this, I'm not insulting him, because I didn't really ask to say. Uh, but he uh, uh, he said that they were hunting out there, and it's, it's really quiet. And he said he really hadn't seen it like that before. But he gets his sight, and his son walks down to this corner where you can see down both sides of this kind of logging trail, this old logging road. And he said, you know, nothing's happened, nothing happened, and sits there forever, he gets bored, so he gets up and walks over to where his son's at. And he said, they're standing there talking about how quiet it is, and he said, it sounded like if, if somebody, you know, you're at a baseball game and somebody just knocks one out of the park, you know, that 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 baseball bat, you know, sound. Right. One. He said he hears that from like the next ridge line over. And now it's starting to get dark. So he's like, what the heck was that? So they took walk down this trail or down this logging road in that direction. And he said, you know, in a very short period of time, a lot closer to him, like instead of that ridge, now it's kind of down closer to him. He hears it again. And it's loud and it's close. And he said, now it's getting dark. He's like, we're out of here. So because he said he's never heard anything like that in wood before. Well, the gentleman that, that told me about his tree stand, I had, had said, you know, would you take me to where this was? You know, would you be interested in that, whatever? And he said, yeah, things just happened, you know, where, where I wasn't available, he wasn't available, and we kind of lost touch. Well, then, you know, this gentleman comes up, and I said, you know, would you be willing to take me there? He said, sure, anytime. He said, I don't live far from there. He said, you know, I don't like the back of my hand. be glad to. So we want a couple of weeks text him back and forth, and finally settled on last Saturday to go meet. So, uh, you know, I was talking to my uh, second oldest son about it, and uh, I had recently acquired uh, a thermal, and and so I thought, you know, hey, great, you know, I got this, but uh, it it doesn't have the ability to record on itself, and I hadn't really sorted out how to do that yet. I had some things, but I didn't really have the right cable or whatever. Uh, but I thought, hey, you know, good test run. We'll take this out in the woods. We'll go to a place I've never been. You know, we'll we'll see what we can find, you know, and, and uh, maybe find the track. So we decide to meet about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, we get out there. We meet at a, at a designated spot, and I really don't want to say specifically where we were. I know some people sure, that's fine. don't like fights and all stuff, but, yeah, I'd, I'd rather not. So we meet at this location, and he pulls out maps of the area, and he said, this is where we're going. And and another gentleman uh, walks up, and he's got a couple of handfuls of groceries. And he just kind of wanders up, and, you know, I'm, I'm in front of my vehicle. He's to the right of my vehicle, and we got the map spread out. And this guy just kind of walks up and stands between us at the corner. He's looking at the map and smiling. And, I, and I'm kind of like, well, are, are, are you with these guys? And uh, And... They said, no, no, we were just talking while we were waiting for you and your son to get here. And I said, okay, well, did you tell him what we're doing? And he said, no, I really didn't. And I said, okay. So I told him, I said, you know, we're going to go out here in this area and we're going to look for Bigfoot. I said, he, he had an encounter, uh, you know, heard some wood knocks out there. And I said, I had an encounter in Louisiana some years ago, got me interested in it. And I said, you know, I've had other reports from this region and kind of the same geographical area. And, and uh, he had mentioned that he owned 10 acres out in this place and uh, out, in, out in the wild there. And he just kind of steps back, and, it, and he almost gets a little watery. I mean, you can see he's getting watery-eyed a little bit, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, because I kind of expected to chuckle and, a, you know, oh, you guys are crazy, whatever, and walk away, you know. But you never know what you're going to get. So he just kind of gets stoic, and he said, um, all right, okay. He said, I'm going to tell you right now. He said, there is something going on in my property. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, my dogs. He said, my dogs let me know when there's something out there. And he said, my dogs aren't afraid of anything. They'll go out there. And he said, they let me know when something's around and they won't go out. And I said, okay, you know. And uh, he said, and I'll be out there walking around at night on my property. And he said, I'll hear something pace along next to me. He said, I'll walk. It'll walk. I stop, it stops. And he said, so I just talked to him. He said, you know, I don't know what it is, you know. And uh, and I'm like, okay. And I said, well, look look for these types of things. So I gave a few things to look for and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he really loves his wildlife. You know, all on his area, he likes living out there kind of in the wilderness. And uh, as he's leaving, he, you know, he got my number, contact information or anything, and then he turns around and he says, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, would these things eat dog food? And I said, well, it's funny you say that because we've had a lot of reports of people talking about, you know, their their dog food, you know, stockpile getting raided. You know, bags coming up missing, you know, their can being removed from their barn and carried out in the woods and empty, you know. Not like a bag torn open and spewed all over the floor and, you know, I mean, just, just gone, you know. And he said, my dog food is being, is, is going at a rate that my dogs can't eat. And he said, I can't explain it, but, you know, I said, well, okay, you know. So we talked a little bit. So I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, that that he lives out there and he has a distinct sense that there's something going on out there. Well, I told my son, you know, I I don't have any expectations of going out there and seeing anything or necessarily finding anything because these reports were, you know, 2015, a couple years old, right? So. So I'm thinking, you know, well, we'll go out there. Maybe it rained all night. You know, it, it was light rain up till about noon that day. So it's damp out there. I'm thinking maybe there's some wet spots. Maybe we'll find some track. Uh, you know, something maybe. So we go out there. We park at the trailhead. We start walking in. And we don't get... Did you get the pictures I sent you, Will? I did, yes. Okay, I gmailed to those uh, uh, pictures of tree structure. So we get about 100 yeah. meters or so, 100 yards uh, into the, down this trail, and just to the left of the trail, I see this kind of triangular shape, a, a smaller tree bent over, another tree bent back towards it, and it makes a triangle, you know, like the, the one locked in the V of the other one. And I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting. And behind it, I see a curved tree, you know, which I see that all, all over the place down here in the south. You get a lot of these, you know, little fresh sweet gums and stuff, and they'll just bend over you know, make arches. And a lot of people just mean, oh, that's big. You know, I'm like, well, it's interesting. But just, you know, I see this triangle. I see that one. And then back in the back, I see this big teepee-looking structure. And I'm like, you know, what's kind of odd? Let's go check it out. So we walk over there. And, you know, some things I will immediately attribute to nature. You know, nature can do some crazy things in the wood with storm damage. And, and we do get a lot of tornadoes and storms through here. So, you know, uh, but typically that stuff all kind of goes in the same direction. You know, you, you might get, you know, three or four trees this way. And if there's a swirling wind, you might get a few back this way. But you'll kind of see that damage progressing as it's changing your right. You don't typically see 
one tree pulled this way, one tree pulled that way, and they're linked together. You know, you, you tend not to see that much, but but right. they're small enough, and this is an area that people do go, so a person could do that, right? So I'm like, well, that, that looks deliberate, but a person could do it, or it's possible that, that it can happen in nature. So we go look at the, the tree that's leaning, or the curved tree, and, and the curved tree is actually a tree that branched into two. One branch is bent over as a curve, and it's stuck in the ground, and there's other sticks, long ones, that are stacked on the end of it. Very delicate, it looks like. The other one that was coming up from behind that bow was twisted off higher than I can reach, and, and brought back over the front of the other one. And I tried to zero in and get a good, clear picture of that one, and I accept that too. Uh, so you can see how that one's twisted. So then I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of interesting too, you know, but those are small enough, a human can do this. So we go over to this large kind of teepee structure, and I see a tree that's that's fairly well rotted, but it is, it's broken, and the long part is, is in a tree that's already been pushed over, and it's wedged in that that V. But the base of the tree, there's like it's like three pieces, and they've fallen in kind of an odd pattern. You know, like a like if you had a rotted tree and you went up and you punched it as hard as you could, you might get you know two pieces that break off and fall away from you. You know, scissors. But to do that with this, you'd have had to hit it 20 foot up in the tree. You know, I mean, to, to really give it a good punch. And then the chances of the top end of this falling right in the crotch of that other tree, and eh, pretty tough, but, you know, maybe. Well, then there's another one leaning against it, and then there's this 75-foot, you know, tree that's probably 8 to 10 inches across, and it's wedged in between a couple of the trees making this deepy shape. And, and the thicker part of that appears to be the top end of it, not at the bottom end, and there's no trunk around there anywhere where that came from. It's not pushed over, it's brought there. And the other end is laying on top of the leaf litter. Well, I'm going to tell you, the four of us that were there would have a really tough time even trying to lift that thing, let alone pick it up and stick it up in that tree like that. So if you look at those pictures, you'll see what I'm talking about. But that one really gives me pause. So, you know, if you see something funny in nature, you might see one. When you see three different shapes, you know, in the trees that are like 100 feet from each other, and they're all, there's there's nothing else around it that looks like that. You know, there's no other storm damage. There's no nothing. You're just seeing these, you know, and it's very close to a trailhead. And, and a, you know, a trail or a logging road that people went, you know, go in on. I'm thinking, you know, that that's kind of odd, and that seems to be what these things do is, you know, put these out as boundary markers and kind of, you know, this this is your area, that's my area. I mean, right. what, what <clears throat> thought on that? I mean, you know, I've I've read a lot, I've heard a lot of conjecture about, you know, where they point things in a direction or whatever, but that's kind of my interpretation of, hey, you're getting ready to enter. A, you know, my area, you know, the, you know, you guys have main road in this, you know, stay out of here. But what are your It's very possible, sure. <clears throat> yeah, it's hard telling. I mean, of course, you know, my my experience in the Northwest is, you know, snap trees and things like that, twisted ones, but 
I don't think the jury's out yet on the on the structures, but it's certainly possible. I saw some traffic. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of Facebook you know pages on these things, and it's and it's you know really interesting to get on there and, and you know people out there beating bushes and looking for these things and have their own counters and taking pictures. You know, get on there and post a lot of this stuff. And somebody asked a question and said, you know, hey, you hear about about uh, nursing areas? You know, what what are your thoughts about that? And, I was, and I'm like. What what denotes that for anybody that that's some kind of nursing area? Have you ever heard people talk about a nursing area? No, that's not something. I mean, it's certainly if they had something like that, it wouldn't be in a low area. It'd be up where it's you know very inaccessible to humans, certainly. Yeah, you know how do, how would anybody attribute that to a nursing area? I mean, you know, I I don't, I don't but anyway. So I'll continue with Saturday. So, so uh, you know, we we start walking in, you know, and there's leaf litter everywhere. I mean, you're not leaving a track. There's just not. You you might find a deer track every once in a while where a hoof is stabbed, you know, and kick something over. You might see that, but uh, I mean, there's nothing. So we're walking down the road. I mean, there's leaf litter all over the road. There's a, the occasional puddle, and there's mud around the puddle. So you might see, so we're really carefully looking around those edges, and we're seeing, you know, coyote track and deer track and stuff like that. Well, it's probably 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We've got plenty of daylight. I'm interested in getting down in these bottoms and looking along creeks or whatever down there. But my phone rings. My horses got out. I'm like, great. I got to go. You know, so my son and I, you know, talk to these guys. And it's like, look, you know, they say, well, we're just going to hang out here. We'll wait for you to get back. I said, I'll hurry, you know. But this isn't all that far from where I live, so so we go back, deal with the county sheriff, my horses, got all that stuff taken care of. We get back out there. Now it's pushing 5, 20, 5, 30, you know, somewhere around that. So we probably got about 20 minutes of daylight on something like that. So we get all our gear on, you know, and we, we go walking back in there. And I, and I, got, I was disgusted the whole time because I've got a digital audio recorder. And I left the house, picked my son up, and I went, oh, man, I forgot that. So we went back to the house. I found it. We drive all the way out there. Of course, I have to come back for the horses and then go back out. And I can't find it. It's not in my rucksack. It's not in the truck anywhere I can find. And I'm like, all right, we'll just forget it. You know, we've got cameras. We've got, you know, thermal. You know, I've got digital cameras for both both setups and everything. And, and I've got a GoPro. You know, it's in my son's bag. And I'm like, you know, we'll do this. So we get out there. And he takes us back, and we walk all the way back into this fork where there's a trail that goes on a ridge line out to this power line cut, and the logging road turns to the right and starts kind of following down along this ridge. And eventually down there it turns to the left and also goes out to the power line cut. So he's like, yeah, this is where we were. The knocks were over there. And then we walked down this road, and we heard a knock over there. And now it's getting dark. You know, it's it's... It's tough to see, you know. So uh, he goes, what do you want to do? I said, well, let's walk down this road. We'll go out to the power line cut because, you know, a lot of animals travel on power line cuts. You know, there's there's been a lot of speculation about, you know, Bigfoot behavior that they follow power lines, much like the military follows power lines. You know, when, when you, in the military, when you get to a, a, we call them linear danger areas, but like railroad tracks or road crossings or whatever, you don't just walk down the road because it's easy and it's open because your enemy's going to see you. 
So, so you parallel that in the woods far enough where you can keep an eye on the road and see anything that might be coming going up and down the road, but you don't expose yourself. And then when you get ready to cross, you go up into an area that's fairly well obscured, protected, and then you do far side and air side security. You know, you send somebody over to scout the other side, and then, you know, after a little bit, they give you a sign it's okay, and then the next one goes, and the next one goes, and you just kind of do that. So you get everybody over to the side you need them at. So, you know, I want to get out there by the by this power line cut and, and set up, and, and that way we've got a long ways to see. Um, you know, I've got the thermal. It's good for, you know, like a human-sized target at 600 meters. And so, you know, we're kind of playing with that. So we get out there. And we're looking around, don't see anything, don't see anything. But, I mean, the woods, right when we got out there at, at you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it was completely quiet. I mean, there was no sound. And and we walked back a ways, and, and his son uh, says, and I've been hunting here my whole life, and he said, I don't ever remember being this quiet. He's like, this is different. And and the, gent, you know, the, the dad says, you know, yeah, he said, uh, you know, this is what it was like when we heard those woodlands. Well, we left and came back, and it was still like that. So we're walking in the dark. There's no noise. We start walking down this ridge, you know, down this road headed towards that, and we'd stop every so often because nobody could see. My, my son doesn't have very good night vision. Mine's pretty good, but I was still, you know, I could, like, make out a puddle in the road or something like that, but... Uh, so I'm stopping every so often, scanning around with the thermal and uh, passing it around. But, you know, once you look through the thermal, then your dominant eye is shot for another 30, 40 seconds until you get your, you know, night vision back. And so, you know, we're, we stopped and we're kind of looking. We're, we're on this ridge looking to our left, which is really to the south, and it drops down off into this real low area. And so you can see down there with the thermal a little bit, but it's, real brushy and scrubby and a lot of trees and uh we, we hear these really loud uh, uh frog croaks you know like you know it does that a couple of times and then all of a sudden here comes the rest of you know and it just gets it gets like a bunch of frogs really loud for about 30 40 seconds and then just shuts right off like a switch so the dad looks at me and he kind of goes, he's like, well, that's kind of weird, you know. And I said, well, you know, they, something turned them on and something turned them off, you know. But at least we know now there's a food source down there. You know, there's critters down there. And he's like, yep. So we kept walking and we get out to the power line cut. And we walk out in the middle and we're kind of standing around. So we're setting up kind of to the right of the power line cuts, you know. And, and when they cut them through the forest down here, they're probably... I'd say 100 meters wide, maybe 150 meters wide, something like that, cut out of the trees. But there's, you know, it's probably 150 meters wide, so we're sitting more to the right than than center. But I'd say his son, his son would probably be more towards the middle, and then we're four wide. It's the son, the dad, me, and my son on my right. And my son is probably um, 30 feet or so, 25, 30 feet from the, the hardwoods, you know. So, uh, yeah. and this road doesn't go into those woods. It just goes out into the, the you know, the power line cut stops. So so we're sitting there. He goes, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, let's just sit here. You know, so we get our stools out. 
my son doesn't have one, so he's sitting on the ground, and his son, you know, is 40, but, you know, he doesn't have one, so he's just kind of laying back on the ground because the back's bothering And And uh, the dad and I are just, just I'm, I'm going to call him D. Uh, we're just sitting there next to each other, kind of facing, we're all, you know, facing down the wood. He and I are facing down the power line, and my son is kind of facing the woods. You know, he's kind of facing with his back towards me. And, you know, we pass the thermal around and stuff. We're there for a couple of hours. And it gets to the point where I'm like, anybody want the thermal? And they're like, nah. <laughs> you know, because you don't hear anything. <laughs> we haven't seen anything. You know, it's just quiet. And we're just sitting there listening. Because, I mean, no kidding, you know, 50 feet in the woods, you can hear like a leaf fall off a tree and tick the branches on the way down. You know, you can hear a little scurry off to the left down from us. You know, when like a squirrel comes out of a tree and you can hear it kind of picking leaves and it goes back. You know, you That's quiet. It's quiet. Okay, then about 60 feet behind us to my right and about a 45 up the ridge because this road comes out at about the military crest, about maybe a fifth of the way down the ridge. You know, so we're sitting down below the ridge and there's, a, there's one of those you know, big high-tension power towers up on that ridge behind us. And then, it, it, you know, we're sitting in, in grass that's probably, it's like winter wheat almost, but it's uh, probably knee height or so, you know, where it's not matted down. And that's in front sure. of us, and then it drops off, and you can't see where it goes down in front of us, but then it comes back up the next ridgeline, which is lower than we are. And then then it kind of rolls off the back of that, and it starts going uphill for a higher ridgeline back behind that one. And the power tower, there's another power tower, kind of between those two ridges, you know, kind of behind that lower one where we're at. But you can see all this with the thermal very well. And I can see uh, tire tracks going from in front of us, drops off, and then it's coming up that other that other ridge to the left side and goes up over that hill so you can tell it's kind of going, working its way up around the left side of the tower and stuff. So, yeah, we're sitting there, and, and 60 feet behind me, up, up in the woods to the right, we hear this really loud, deep nostril snort, like like a, a buck snort or a horse would exhale real hard, you know, but without any gravel in it, you know, just mm-hmm. like something took a big breath, but you didn't hear it take a breath, and it just was clearing its sinus, like it didn't like what it smelled, you know what I mean? It's a... It's a <clears throat> You know, real hard, uh, sure. but without the <clears throat> gravel. And and so we're just, you know, my son grabs my arm and he points up the hill, and I'm like, you don't need to grab me. You know, I'm like, I heard it. <laughs> and, and, you know, we all kind of turn, and, and uh, you know, this, these stunts sits up, you know. And we're like, well, what, what the heck was that, you know? So we're waiting to hear this thing come kind of crunching down the hill. But you don't hear anything, not a sound, not a twig, snap, leaf, nothing. In maybe 20 or 30 seconds, this thing does it again, only now it's right in front of my son. If you drew a line through the four of us into the woods on the right, 30 foot off in the woods on the right, it's right there. I mean, right there. And it does it again, loud. And it's it's like an aggravated, you know, like right there. So, and my son's got the thermal, he's looking, and, he, and I'm like, do you see anything? You see? He's like, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. I don't see it. 
So I, I take it and I stand up and I start towards the woods. And I'm probably five or six paces now from from stepping into the timber, you know, trying to get a look between trees and whatever. And I'm not seeing anything. So for whatever reason, I just start scanning to the left and I look down the power line cut in front of us. And standing in that track, that, that four-wheeler track or four-by-four track, is a humanoid looking figure standing there staring up the hill at us. Now, you know, I never saw it during the daylight, so I really didn't know how far away that ridge was. And it's hard to tell, you know, with a thermal or a, a night vision. You know, so in my mind, I'm thinking just kind of based off of what I'm looking at, that maybe it's 400 meters away, you know, something like that. But I can't tell. But whatever this is, is massive. I'm looking at big rounded shoulders, a bump for a head, and and it just goes down the sides and then tapers in real narrow at the bottom, you know, before before it's like at the grass. And it's not moving. It's just standing there, stationary, staring up the hill at us. Well now I'm not so worried about the snorts to my right. I'm looking at this thing, you know. And my heart's beating, you know, and I'm 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 going take a breath, I'm like there is something standing down there on the next ridge looking at us. And they're like, what? And my son had moved over next to uh, this gentleman and his son. And I'm like, there is something that looks like a person maybe standing down there looking at us, but it's huge. And they're, and they're like, what? And I'm thinking, i got to let somebody else see this thing. But I, I had time to scroll through um you know, the, the color palettes, because you know, I had it on red. It's, these flares have a, a white hot, black hot, and then four levels of red. And, you know, for different kind of heat frequency and different temperature bands. Uh, and I, and I right. found that, that, you know, that temperature range and at that time of night, the third level of red really gives you the best contrast with all the background trees and everything else. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at something, it's just a red blob. I mean, it's like if you look at your hand, you can see the outline of your hand just perfect, but everything is red if it's given off heat. Um, you know, same thing with your dog or whatever. It just, it just paints it red so you can identify there's something there that's alive or giving off that kind of heat signature. So, I mean, I'm looking at this red thing that looks like a silhouette with, you know, like football shoulder pads with a, with a bump for a head, you know. Not like a whole head just a bump for a head, you know, like sticking up about half. The head's sitting low. It's sitting low yeah, on the shoulders. Low. And it's just staring at it. It's, it's not moving. So I, I'm like, somebody else has to see this. So, because I, I don't have the ability to record off this thing yet. So I hand it to, to D, sitting down, and he picks it up, puts it to his eye, and he's just sitting there, staring at this thing. And I'm like, he's not saying anything. I said, do you see it? And he goes, yep. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, uh, well, give it to your son. So he gives it to him. Now, he's sitting on the ground. So he's, he's looking over the, the, the you know, winter wheat or the graph that's there. And he's looking, and, he, and when he gets it, he holds it up, and he goes, it just ran in the wood. He said it just bolted into the woods, and it was big. And I said it was, it was upright. And he said it was standing up, it was tall, and it ran into the woods. Well, down there, like we're in, it's, it's grass, and it's matted down where the trail is, and then there's kind of brambles or, or scrub 
brush and then woods and then timber, you know what I mean? So it's it's like a progression of tall grass, you know, brambles and then and then wood. But from that trail I would say it's probably thirty feet, twenty feet, you know, something like that of tall grass and then before you hit the timber. So what I saw was standing up on the right side of that tire track. I handed it to, to Dee and he said he saw it squat down. He said it was squatting like a person, you know, with their elbows on their knees, you know, squatted down looking up at it. And then he handed it to his son, and his son said it was upright going into the woods. And he said, I don't see it anymore. So I'm kneeling next to him, and I said, well, let me see it. So I'm looking over there, and I see this white hot kind of shape back towards the tire tracks, back towards this trail going over the hill. But I'm low, you know, and I and I'm and I can see movement, but I'm like, what is that? So I stand up and I get the full side view of something on all fours, a very thick red heat signature, and it's like very carefully crawling across but but, you know, wherever the head is I can't see it. It's already in the grass. And it's already starting to be obscured by the grass. But it's like slinking on all fours, you know into the grass, but it's flat across the top, squared off at the butt, I mean, you know, and it's it's like the shape of a adolescent cow, you know, not a baby cow, but not a full-grown cow, mm-hmm. kind of looks like that with, like, no legs, you know, moving across, Right. and, and I'm like, okay, and I'm, I'm describing this, as I'm looking, I'm like, I see something on all fours, it's moving in the grass, and so my son's on my right now. And he goes, let me see, let me see. So I hand it to him, and he's like, I don't see it. And he goes, no, no, what I'm looking at is something squatted down on the right side of the trail. And he said, it looks like a large person down on their feet, you know, but but squatted down with their elbows on their knees, kind of broad like that. And he said, it slowly moves to its right, leans to its right, and goes down on its belly, and low crawls quickly into that tall brush and he said it he's like it looks like a person low crawling you know and then he goes well it's 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 gone i don't see it It, it's gone and he goes he goes no wait 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 and he goes you're not gonna believe this but i just saw a dog run across behind that thing i saw crawling the brush and i'm like what are you talking about he said but it wasn't red hot it was white hot it was, it was just great. He said it was just perfect gray. And he said you could see the muzzle, the pointed ears, the back, the fuzzy tail. He said you could make it out really well. You know, and, and uh, the only thing I could think is that maybe this thing had just gotten wet. You know, and that it was cooler than these other things were. But, but you know, everything sure. we looked at, I don't care if it was a mouse on a limb at, you know, 25 meters, or if it was, you know, uh, a armadillo, you know, out there at 100 yards, it was red. It was a red dot. It was a red shape. It was, as you could see that. But this thing didn't give off that kind of heat signature. But he said, it was a canine. And he said, it trotted across there like, wait for me, right behind him. You know, like, like no big deal, you know. And, and so we were like, wow, okay. So we sat there, you know, for, uh, I don't know, a couple of hours, maybe. And uh, 
and the son, you know, uh, Pete's son said, you know, well, I got to go. I'm not going to spend the night. You know, I got things I got to get back home for and stuff. So I said, okay, well, we'll work our way back out. And I want to put the thermal on a charger and stuff. So, you know, we start back out to our left, back to, through this cut in the trees, you know, that led us to the power line. And we're on this logging road, and we it's probably 200 meters from from the uh, where the timber starts to where the curve is that leads that turns right and starts to kind of wind its way up along this ridge line, and it's, and it's uphill, you know. But we get about halfway to that curve, and something is about maybe 10 yards off the trail down the slope to our right because it it goes down into this low ground, you know, pretty steep down through there, and instead of bolting down into the brush, this thing takes off across the ridge line, kind of over towards the road we're getting ready to make the turn and go up, you know, but it heads in that direction, and it bolts off that way. You can tell it's on all fours. I barely got a glimpse of a heat sensor between trees, but it let out this crazy alert, this, this, uh, <laughs> and I can't, you know, I've, I've tried to imitate it, uh, you know, I got Dan on the phone, and, and he said, look, I tried, I got home, and he said, I tried to describe this to my wife, and he said, I cannot come up with a description for what I heard. And both of those guys have hunted that place their whole lives, and they said, I've never heard a thing like that in the woods ever before. But it sounded like the size of, of like, a big dog, you know? It was on all fours, mm-hmm. and, it, and it had that kind of mass to it, you know, as it was moving away. But it, it was a, uh, and I'll try, and it's not going to sound stupid, but he said, I did it, and he said, that's close, but that's not it. It was a, a very breathy, it started like an exhale, but it went, <laughs> like like that, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, and, and it was running away, and, and, and it was, it was creepy, you know, but, and it was loud, but it wasn't, it wasn't super loud, you know. So we, uh, sure. uh, you know, we keep walking and we go, you know, I'm, I'm taking my time. I'm just taking deliberate steps because I can't see. You know, all I can see is I can make out a puddle every once in a while. And if there's a stick across the trail, I'm stepping on it or going to bump it, you know, and then I'm trying to sign to them behind me, hey, you know, there's something here, watch your step. And, you know, talking real quiet. But I'm using the thermal every so often. I take, you know, 50 paces or something, and then I'd take, you know, scan around with the thermal, don't see it, you know, and I'd take another 50 paces, you know, and kind of let my night vision come back, and then I'd look again. So we make the turn, and we're headed up this ridge, and we get about halfway up this hill, and the same thing, about 10 yards off the trail to our right, this thing takes off again. Only now, it bolts down and through and across towards this ridge where these other things went into the woods and would have come out and been in that area if they were still there, you know, and headed that way. But this time when it alerted, it was loud. I mean, it was it was a lot louder than the first time, but it sounded exactly the same. It was that creepy, you know, breathing out, you know, crying, whatever that was. But, you know, and it, 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 mm-hmm. so, you know, we walk up the hill, we get up to this, you know, this fork in the road, kind of where the trail goes back down into where these things would have been or back, you know, down the trail, uh, back towards our vehicles. So, you know, we kind of stand there, we're talking for a little bit, you know, and it's still dead quiet, you know, we're looking around, don't see anything. I end up seeing this little red seat signature out there, and I'm like, I think it's a rabbit, I think it's this, we're looking, we're trying to tell, 
and if you got a different angle on it, it was a, it was like some sort of tree mount. You know, it's it's closer, and it's climbing along limbs, zipping pretty quick. You know, limb to limb, but you can see it, and it's red. You know, so you know that's sure. the only thing we're seeing. So you know, we're walking our way back, and it took us a while to get back to the vehicle, but we get back there. So now uh, uh, his son said, "Well, I gotta I gotta get ready to get going." And, you know, we're just getting a snack. Now we're in and out of the vehicle. The dome lights are on and off. We're not trying to be quiet at all. You know, we're just we're just kind of chilling out, and we're going to reposition our vehicles up the power lines so that you know, because I don't want to leave them in camp and have them out, you know, by the road. You know, we're we're, we're miles away from them. I want to be able to camp where we're close enough to them. So we're gonna we're gonna move these vehicles around this outside, and, and the dad and my son and I are going to camp eventually. So. Uh, you know, we're standing there talking. My son sees something in the trees, kind of getting a better angle at whatever it is, you know, and stuff. And then we're standing kind of out by the road behind our vehicles. And I'm kind of standing between them a little bit. And my son comes back, and we're just kind of talking. And then to my right, back in the woods, in the, in, you know, inside the trailhead, back. And it sounds like it's it's almost in the same place those, those tree structures were. I hear... You know, a, a, a deliberate like growl, and and my son said, you know, he grabs me again, he points, and I'm like, stop grabbing me, I can I can hear it. You know? <laughs> and, and he, so he's like, you know, right over there, and I said, yeah, that sounded pretty close, you know. And these guys come around, they're like, what? And I said, we heard something that sounded like a growl, and, and my son said he he said to him it sounded like a moan, like a mmm kind of thing. Only to me, it sounded like it was open mouth, you know, not not closed mouth. It was more like, you know, like that, but uh, with a little gravel in it. And, and uh, you know, we're all, they come over to us, and they're like, what? And we're starting to talk about it, and it does it again. You know, this time it's like, okay, that's that's right over there. You know, so I take the from my son, I look over there, and I see this round heat signature sticking out from poking out from behind the tree and it's in that direction and I'm like I'm I'm looking at something looking from around the tree I think you know but I want to make sure something and they're like what and I, so I start moving into the, the to the trailhead and I'm kind of working my way around this tree you know to see if I can get a better signature and here's this big red heat signature behind that tree and I'm just like there is something huge right there, you know, right right over there. And, and I'm like, it's there, <laughs> you know. And my son's like, where do we see? So I give it to him, and, you know, he's starting to, like, breathe heavy. He's like, it's, it's right there. It's, I see it. You know, I see it. So I'm like, I'm going to get my high-powered flashlight. So I run back to the truck real quick, and I dig in my bag. I get it out. And as I'm going back there, I hear D's son go, I think that's my motorcycle. So I turned my light on, <laughs> and sure enough, that's exactly what it was. It was this motorcycle. And, we, you know, so we all get a big laugh out of that. I'm like, wow, that had me going. Because it was, when I turned the light on, I realized, hey, that was a lot closer than I thought it was. You know, it was, I thought it was out there at, you know, 50 yards. No, that was like 20 yards away, you know. So I was like, wow, that, if, if that was one, it would have been like right there looking at you, you know. But it, but it was, and it was his bike. But I still can't explain what the growls were, because we didn't see anything, you know, and I'm scanning around. Yeah. But, so we leave, and, and we go up to where we're going to camp. He leaves on his bike, and, and uh, 
you know, so we, we go up and we're going to sit down. And we sat up there and sat up there and sat up there. And then, you know, a couple dozen or a dozen 4 by 4s come through with their music playing, like bars on, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, giving us funny looks and all. So it's, we're like, well, that, I think, blows the evening. But the next morning after sunup, I'm like, we're going back down there. We're going to look at the track. And so we went down there, and instead of taking the logging road in, we took that, that trail kind of leads down the ridge. And it goes down behind the ridge in the low ground. So we kind of did, I didn't want to go all the way down in there, because it was taking us kind of away from where these things would have come into the woods. Um, so, so we go down a ways, and then we're kind of cutting back up over the ridge. And my son goes, I think I found tracks. And I'm like, where? And, and I look, and there's, there's dig marks in the leaf litter. It's like right foot, left foot, right foot, left going up this ridge, uh, or up the back side of this whole ridge. But I got to looking at it, and I'm like, man, no, that's, that's you know, armadillo, that's, uh, you know, skunk or something. They do this, they come out at night, and they root like this, because there's leaf litter everywhere, you know. And you could tell the leaf litter had been pushed back, and the dirt disturbed. And I really didn't give it credit right then. But but because I, I said, you know, hey, this is something that, you know, these little roots and things do. But I did notice that there was no deep holes, you know, dug in the dirt. It was like, it was just the leaves were dammed up on the right side every time. And, and on each one of these pockets, and then the dirt was like scattered back and forth. You know, there, there wasn't like a hole or something. Had you know, armadillos are constructive. You know, they will... They will put sure. holes in a yard overnight, you know. Rabbits will dig, you know. Uh, all, you know, squirrels will dig. But they, they tend to, you know, get in there and they pull the dirt back under them, stick their face in there, move around, you know, so you'll get, get thrown out of a hole more than just a shove to the right and then, you know, dirt disturbed. So I didn't think about it until the next day, but, you know, that hunter that was in his tree stand described exactly that, that he was... He was out there, you know, and this thing was walking, and it would just move stuff with its foot, the leaf footer, and look for something. And take a few steps, and it would do the same thing, you know. And then, then you know, when I talked to you, you, you had mentioned, too, that, you know, your first encounter when you were 14. Yeah. Oh, I was 16 then. 16, I thought. <clears throat> but, but you said, you know, what was it doing when you when you pushed through those that brush? It's. It was almost exactly like the hunter you talked to in the tree stand. It was casually moving the leaves around with its foot. You know, so, I mean, this this behavior, you know, we'll see things. I don't want to be the guy that's saying, you know, every little, every little you know, tuft of dirt or every little bend in a tree is Bigfoot. You know, it's just I'm, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm, I'm going to try and find, you know, a rational way to explain what I'm looking at. But it came to mind. And I went, well, that's fresh. Whatever did it, did it last night. There was no doubt about that. And that's the area that these things moved into. But in my mind, I was thinking, you know, these things saw us. And, I mean, clearly stood there staring at us. And and, and, and here's how this plays out in my mind. And granted, I'm just linking linking our, our experiences that night together to tell the story. But... I feel like this group was moving up over that ridge from one area to another, and they were going to a feeding area. And 
and they were traveling in the edge of the woods like the military does, you know, kind of in the woods where they can keep an eye on things until they got across. And the male, probably, you know, of whatever that little family group was, would put itself mm-hmm. in between the danger area and, and its, you know, family. And they're moving down through this woods, and and as it's heading downhill, all of a sudden it realizes there's something right here to its left, you know. So it stops. And then the other ones continue on down the hill, you know, to cross. And then it, it's kind of checking us out, smelling, you know, and it takes a big whiff. Sure. And it doesn't like what it smells because there's people, you know, so it exhales real hard. Well, then it moves down closer to it because its family members are getting ready to cross into the open. And maybe it even sees them moving out into the open down there. We don't. So it snorts again very deliberately right in front of us. Now we're paying attention to it. We're looking that way, you know, not at, you know, it's, it's you know, the, the mother and the whatever. Yeah, the, fo- the focus so, is off the other group. Yeah, it's off of them. And now it's also <clears throat> moved, moved off. It just kind of created a distraction. Now, I'm focused over there, and I'm moving towards the wood, and it moves down the hill, you know? Well, then I didn't go into the woods. I turned to the left and looked, and I see this thing standing there frozen in on that trail looking up the hill at us because it probably was just crossing like it normally does, and it was like, la da I'm going across, and all of a sudden it hears a snort, looks up the hill and realizes, hey, there's something there. And it's standing there, you know, frozen, that's what animals did. You know, they just freak. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then when I handed it to D, it squatted. So it was standing frozen like it heard the snorts. And then the other one's coming down the hill, too, where it's at. And it's like, okay, you know, then it squats down to reduce its signature. You know, I'm making myself smaller. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what I'm looking at. And then, you know, when we move to hand the other guy the thermal, you know, it finds an opportunity and it stands up, bolts into the woods, which is what his son saw. Well, then the next one is staying really low, but it's going to cross too. So it's like moving across on all fours, you know. It's like, you know, but it's real slow and deliberate. You know, it's not like, you know, galloping across. It's just this real slow, deliberate slinking across is what I'm saying. And it's mm-hmm. over there. Well, then my son gets the thermal, and he sees something squatted down. Probably the big one that snorted at us is taking up the rear. Now, it's down there making itself smaller, but it's staring at us, you know. And then it slowly turns and goes on its belly and low crawls. And I've heard other people describe that move, that behavior, too, where, this, where what they saw looked like a boulder, and they stared at it for 15 minutes until it finally raised an arm very slowly and then turned and went down into the, kind of the, on its belly and low crawled behind the bushes. So I've heard of that behavior before, and we saw it. That, well, my son did. I didn't see it. But, mm-hmm. and, then, and then what kind of trips me out a little bit is that there was potentially a coyote following him. Going right along with it. Yeah, probably scavenging. <clears throat> You know, it's scavenging, or, you know, maybe there's a relationship there. I mean, we have a relationship with canines. Maybe they do, too. I don't know. You know, but, but it was like 15 feet behind that other one, so. You know, but it wasn't a pack of it, just one. 
So that, that yeah. was interesting. And then we sat there for, like I said, you know, a couple hours, you know, and, and then we left. And as we're leaving, now something is up by the trail watching us, you know. And it, and it was close enough where even while out where we're sitting, it could have kind of seen us, you know. So I'm thinking maybe that, you know, in my mind I thought whatever went into the woods right there, you know, kept going. It saw us for sure. You know, it knew we were there. And it probably just went, oh, there's people there. I'm going to keep moving. I don't think it did. I think they went right into their feeding yeah. plot. They didn't. They saw us that we weren't really a threat. They were a nuisance, if anything. And they just went on to foraging like they were planning on doing. But they posted one of them as a century, you know, to kind of keep As a century, up. absolutely. And then once we started moving out, and, you know, once... Once you get too close, then it takes off. But where'd it go? It didn't run right. back down to the woods. It ran over to the other side of the road where it could get a bandage point and kind of keep watching us as we go up that other part of the road. And then it did the same thing. Well, then we walk our way back out. We're at the vehicles, and I think maybe one of them, maybe more, but one of them tracked us, you know, just paced behind us away in the woods and followed to see what we were doing. Well, we didn't leave. And when we didn't leave, we growled right. at us a couple of times, you know, yep. and, and, and then we left. So in my mind, that's what I see happening. So the next morning, my yeah. son and I go back there, and we walk out, and uh, we come out down uh, where this little creek bottom is, and, and it's behind that lower ridge. So we got to walk back up over that ridge. Now I'm looking up the hill at where we were, and I'm like, wow, this is closer than I thought it was. You know, so I'm telling my son, I'm like, you stay here. I'm going to go up there and I'll yell at your whistle and I'll wave you up until you're in exactly the same spot as what I saw. So I get, you know, I go down the ravine, I crawl all the way back up the other side. I'm not having a heart attack. And I'm standing there looking through this thermal and I wave him up. I'm like, come on, come on. You know, so he's coming up, he's coming up, bam. He's right in the same position I saw this thing. Well, I'm not lying. This thing was a foot or two feet taller than he was. And it was massively wider. His mm-hmm. signature mm-hmm. almost looked bowling pin. He's, he's six foot tall, but he's thin, you know. And his heat signature looked kind of like the difference between a pencil, you know, at arm's length and holding an eraser out at arm's length, you know, a chalkboard eraser. I mean, it was right. No comparison. So much <clears throat> There's no comparison. And then he goes, well, I'm going to squat down. Well, I never saw it squat down, so I didn't have anything to compare that to. But he said, I'm going to get on all fours. Sure. You know? and so he gets on all fours, and, and I saw that, so I'm comparing that heat signature to what I saw. His heat signature was this thin red line, you know, very easy to make out. What I saw was massive, like, like I said, you know, like adolescent cow massive of, of a body shape. You know, massive heat to Right. And and uh, so I was like, there's no comparison. So then, you know, he says, I'm going to I'm gonna get down and low crawl real fast in the woods so you can see what I saw. And I'm like, okay, we're yelling back for each other. So he drops, you know, he's like, you know, he's going to imitate what he saw. And he, he squatted down and he slowly gets down on his belly. And then he takes off low crawling. He gets about four feet and he goes, Briars, 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 briars. <laughs> and he stands up. He cut, <laughs> cut his hand off. Up. He cut, got a cut on his face, you know. Oh, boy. And he, and he comes back. <coughs> so whatever went in there, Excuse me. briars don't affect 
it didn't care about burns, you know. But there were no right. tracks, you know. The ground was kind of hard up there, uh, and you just didn't. There were no tracks, but you could see lines through the grass where these came out of a, a little opening in the woods, you know, the gap in the woods, and you could see where the tracks were, where these things had parted the grass, and where they went across up into the woods into that area that we saw the rooting and where this creek bottom was and where all those frogs made coming. And they probably they probably only lit up four times maybe the whole five hours or six hours we were, you know, sitting there. Um, you know, and on our way in. But but, you know, they would go for, you know, thirty, forty seconds and then they just shut right off, you know, so it wasn't wasn't yeah. just ongoing. Uh, but anyway, so that was it, you know, so I, I uh I'm like, man, so you know, immediately after I got back, I, I beat myself, stuck myself in the eye with many sharp objects for not having the ability to record thermal, for not having my, and oh, by the way, when I got back to the vehicle, we're eating and everything, and I'm digging around, it started getting cold, so I reach under my seat to get my gloves, there's my digital audio recorder. recorder, yeah. <laughs> I'm off my lap, and it ends up under my seat, I'm like, for crying out loud. And then you think through all the things that you should have or could have done, and I've got, right. I've got a night vision scope that can record, you know, I've got it sorted out so I can record thermal now. I'm, I'm going to have my digital recorder on me all the time. Uh, you know, I've got that sorted out. But when you're afterwards, you're thinking, I'm sitting there going, why did I not just, I had a high power flashlight on. I'm sure you could have shined a light shape. in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at a shape standing down here in this opening on the next ridge bigger than Stuttgart, I could have just lit it up, and we'd have been looking at it. But, you know, in the moment, you just you just don't think about those things, I guess. So, right, there's, there's so much going yeah. on, you're not thinking of all the details. You know? Well, I mean, I, I go, we're just, well, I'm reacting to, to these huge snorts, and whatever it was moved down that hill, right. silent. I mean silent, and left silent. And it was big, there's no doubt. I mean, whatever mm-hmm. it was had a big pair of lungs, you know. That, that was that was very interesting. And, you know, anybody that's hunted, you know, I, I know there's a lot of skeptics, you know, these guys in my office, I love them, but, they, you know, they'll start talking about this stuff, you know, and what if it was this? Why, why wouldn't, you know, could it be that? It could just be that. And I'm like, if you've ever hunted, if you've ever been out around the wildlife, in the woods, you know that buck deer mm-hmm. are not quiet. Buck deer right. think they are the stuff, you know, and they stomp and snort and move and you know, their antlers hit stuff, and, you know, they just, they're not particularly quiet. And and deer herds in general aren't particularly quiet. So, this, you know, a deer's not going to move down that hill, and you're not going to hear leaf crunching or a twig snap or something, right. you know. Uh, it was something very stealthy that was moving down there. It is. It still amazes me how quiet these things can move. And how many times oh, yeah. no, I've had, who've had first-hand encounters that said, I watched this thing drop the orb all fours and run off like a monkey, and there was no sound. Not a sound. I'll tell you what, I had one sneak up behind me <clears throat> within two feet of my back, and I never heard it there, but we saw the footprints afterwards. <laughs> See that one that was tracking us on our way out? It, we never heard it. Never heard a thing. And I, yeah. and I would stop every so often. So it might have... Now, granted, the other, you know, I'm being as quiet as I can, and I'm still making some noise. But the rest of them, you know, sure. 
coughing every once in a while and stumbling on stuff, stepping on a pine cone, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's we're making noise, you know, but it could be moving right. with us, too, you know, and then we stop and it stops. But but something was not far away and growled at us a couple of times. And it was a... Another warning. And, and it was a sinister growl. It wasn't, a, it wasn't anything friendly, you know. It was a... Yeah, a, a sinister kind of, you know. <laughs> so it was yeah, not a sense. not a good sound. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Jay, we're we're out of time. Uh, you are planning on going back, right? I'm I'm going back as soon as I can. I'm trying to get that sorted out now. Uh, I was, I'm hoping maybe maybe Friday or Saturday. Uh, I mean, we got stuff going we'll on. Keep, we'll right keep now, me updated. So. Yeah, well, keep me updated, and you know, if you get more stuff, we'll. We'll re- bring you back on. Most definitely. I that's, mean, a, that's a really uh, fascinating. Oh, it. Yeah, I hear you. I, I'm. I'm just. I'm flabbergasted because it's one of those. I had another friend of mine that's in Tennessee that I talked to, and, and he shared something with me a while ago. But he said he never really told many people about because it's one of those. Well, you go looking for Bigfoot and you see Bigfoot. You know, and then there's a lot of people that just right. go, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, okay. So you go. I never anticipated really having much of anything happened and this blew me away so there's i mean it's going on out there right now i mean right now and it may be that they stay there it may be this is their area and there's enough food sources and everything that they just don't have to go very far so yeah i want to there's a couple other places i want to scope out out there to try and figure out kind of where they came from you know i'm not sure if i Mm -hmm. want to stake out exactly that same spot and see if they come through again about the same time of night to see if there's a pattern there. And I don't want to blow out the site either where, where we change our behavior. But, you know, well, that's one thing I do want to say before we part. I had a major epiphany with this experience, and that was I, I always gave credit that we have a bigger impact on these things than we probably really do. You know, I, I, I assumed that since, it, you know, they knew we were there, you know, that, that – they would see us from the other ridge and they're just moving on. I don't think they did. I think it just stayed right down there and they went ahead and foraged and they just kept an eye on us, you know, and, and we weren't looking at You know, them. it depends. <clears throat> it's it's different group to group. So it's really hard telling. I mean, one group will behave that way and maybe the next time they'll behave a different way. It's really hard telling what factors are affecting their behaviors. Well, and I think that, that part of it, too, is that, you know, this is an area with logging roads. I mean, there was, you know, a dozen four-by-fours of music come crashing in there. You know, not at that spot. There was people in there. A couple of miles. So they, they're, they're, used, they're going to an area that they're expected to have some interaction with people. Maybe. So maybe they're a little bit more right. apt to kind of hang around. I think if we would have walked 10 miles back in the wilderness... And, and off trail, you know, they there may be an entirely different pace. You know, they, oh, yeah. they might Absolutely. be more apprehensive to flee or to be aggressive or so. I don't know, but you know, it's just very yeah. Typically, the farther the farther away from civilization you get, the more aggressive they tend to get. But but again, it depends on the on the variables that are affecting the situations. But, you know, you got tree structure right there, you know, it, and that tree structure looked like it was probably a year or two old. You know, it wasn't new. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, I mean, if that's there and their movement through there is there, I mean, they've definitely staked this area 
down. So, and and yeah. sports, you know, from 2015, which kind of coincides to me with what looked like maybe the age of this tree structure. You know, so right. I, I don't know, but you know, the only way to know is to go back and, and you know try and see if they're still around and and then try and. Help it's going to take back. a lot more work of the area. Yes. Yeah. So, so I'm, uh, I'm, I think I found an area very, very close to being local here that, that I'm going to be spending some time in, and you're going to hear more about. Well, it's definitely fascinating, and keep us updated. Will do. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot for coming on. All right. Have a good night. In Bigfoot history. The Dalles, Oregon, May 1967. Dennis Taylor told Roger Patterson that he and several other youths had frequently watched the Sasquatch cross the freeway near the cemetery, going from the hills to the river at about 11.30 p.m. and back up about 4 a.m. Sometimes there was more than one. They several times shot at these creatures with various weapons, and once one was knocked down with buckshot at close range, but leapt up and ran through a barbed wire fence, taking out three posts. They said the creature usually seen was nine feet tall and must have weighed half a ton. Its eyes glowed red. My name is Martin Elliott. The incident occurred when I was about 10 or 11 years old, so in 1972 or 1973. At the time, I lived in Puyallup, Washington, in the South Hill area, Shaw Road, near a housing development called Forest Green. When this occurred, myself, my stepbrother, and a neighborhood friend whose name I can't remember, we were just out playing in the woods. My friend, my stepbrother, and myself were playing in an area off of a dirt road approximately half a mile off of Shaw Road near the Kate Dairy Farm Pasture. We went up into this dirt road about a half mile up and went into some trees that we had an area that we liked to consider our camp that had some downed trees and it wasn't far off the road. We were sitting there, just as kids do, you know, playing and stuff, and uh, we heard a sound that sounded to myself like a lady screaming or a baby, you know, cry out. It was just one loud cry. That was it. We talked about it and we thought, what was that? And the friend that was with us said, well, maybe it was a horse from the pasture. I said, that doesn't sound like a horse. Well, maybe two or three minutes later, we got this smell started coming around us. And it smelled like, you know, burnt match heads or rotten eggs. And we couldn't really figure out what was going on. And we were still sitting there and towards the roadside near the trees that we were at, about seven to eight feet into the trees, the tree limbs pushed aside. And there, standing before us, was a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch. We basically just froze and stared at it for just like, I mean, it seemed like forever. But I know that it was about probably 30 seconds before we panicked and took off running. All three of us ran as fast as we could back to our house. He ran back to his house, and me and my stepbrother ran back to our house. After that, we had told our parents about it, and we were pretty panic-stricken about it. We told our parents about it, and my mom at the time worked at the Daffodil Bowling Alley in Puyallup, and she and my stepfather were talking at the coffee shop about the incident and were telling their friends. A couple of gentlemen walked up and said, Excuse me, we are from the University of Oregon. 
We are here in town doing some Bigfoot research, and would you feel okay with us coming and interviewing your son? They said, sure, no problem. They came up to our house, and we sat at the dining room table where they basically interviewed me about the situation, about what had happened, showed me some sketches, and asked me if this is what it looked like or if that is what it looked like, had me describe the scent, and had me listen to tape recordings, and said, well, did it sound like this tape recording or like that tape recording? And so they did a pretty extensive interview. They felt at the time that we were not pranking them, so that was the extent of it. If I can describe the best description I have for the creature that I saw, he or she or it was, I would say, seven and a half to eight feet tall. It had a brown-black hair that was probably three to four inches long, covering, you know, its whole body except for its hands. And I really didn't look at its feet. I just saw its hands because of the way it held the branches back. Its face was a kind of cross between an aboriginal Australian and a gorilla. That's the easiest way I can describe it. It made no attempt at all to chase us or anything. It just watched us. It just looked at us. So basically, that's my story. It's been a situation where I talked about it when I was a kid. Everybody thought I was an idiot. You know, thought I was crazy. So it was something that, through most of my life, I really don't tell anybody about. It's not something that I ever really tell anyone. But at the time, around that area, after our sighting, there was quite a bit of activity in the Puyallup area. And so I hope this is helpful to you. And feel free to contact me if you have any more questions. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creek Devil. If you or anyone you know has had an encounter with these creatures, please contact us at williamjevning at yahoo.com. That's William, J-E-V-N-I-N-G, at yahoo.com. All communication is confidential. Join us for another program next week. And until then, keep your eyes open out there.